And that's okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Look at Talk starts right now. Welcome, one, welcome everybody to another new edition of Look at Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your boss man, Mr. V. Jones. And this is the Look at Talk exclusive round, ladies and gentlemen. I have, and today I have a guest with me joining me from the ATL. She is the host of the Unclenched Beloved podcast. I hope I'm saying that right. It's Miss Ebony. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be here. And it's Unclenched Beloved. <laughs> Y'all. Yeah. My you're bad. Fine. My you're bad. Fine. You read it how it looks. You're perfectly fine. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell me a little bit about your podcast and how you got it started. Podcast started back in November. Um, I have been told by people for the past few years that I should be doing a podcast or YouTube. And I was in denial about it for a very, very long time. But last November, I decided to go ahead and just try. And depending on the outcome, people would keep going or decide not to do it. And I decided that's where Unfinished Beloved came from. Um, And so far, it's been very, very lucrative. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from people. People seem to really like my message and what I'm trying to do, what I stand for. Uh, The podcast really is about coming of age. You know, I'm 23. I'm young. I'm just graduating ago and I'm just trying to figure out life and my footing in life and where I belong in, in, in the real world and things like that and I've just um, narrated my experiences through my podcast. Hey, that's good. Uh, congratulations on graduating from college. Not a lot of people do that. So Thank you. What can people get from you telling your story and your journey? So I think one thing to me about people and humans in general is that we tend to hide a lot of the things we go through, not realizing just how many of us are going through the exact same thing. And it brings me comfort to vocalize what I'm experiencing because I know I'm not the only one experiencing it. And so to get back, you know, I'm experiencing the same thing too, or OMG, I didn't realize I was the only one that felt this way, you know. It's comforting not only to me, but other people know you're not the only one. So that's why I like to de- and it's just good to hear different perspectives you know my life and my experiences and the way I view the world isn't like how everyone else does we all view things differently and so it's just good to hear a different way to look at life and look at outcomes you know um, so that's what I like to do I, li- I just like to make sure or make it known in this now there are a lot of us who are kind of struggling and just trying to kind of figure out ourselves in this time frame and that's okay you know no, I totally, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so you now I understand you just wrapped up your first season. So tell me about this. What was the experience like for you? This being your first season of doing the podcast. So yes, I just finished my first season. I've done ten episodes. Uh, the episodes varied in topics. I talked about um, jumping scared and how fear should not be an excuse to not try. How, or I talked about love languages. I've talked about into you or getting back to yourself after losing yourself I try to cover an array of topics I definitely listen to the audience and what they want to hear and make my show based around what the audience wants to hear as well but I'm trying to cover all aspects of getting older not just self-realization but dating and friendships and taking chances and how not to get caught up in the mundane routine of life too soon you know take chances but do it in a smart way so 
I've enjoyed this first season. It's gotten a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people are very pleased, and I'm looking forward to season two. Hey, that's that's good. That's good. You gotta keep it up. Um, it's good that you're getting positive feedback, and I hope you definitely take it take it with a grain of salt. So, looking back on this season, what what would you say was your favorite episode? Which episode you look back, you're like. I was really in my bag <laughs> when I was on doing this episode. Ooh, that's a good question because I really that with all of them. But if I had to choose the um, episode about them just not being that into you, because <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a harsh reality, and I'm a fan of realities, <laughs> so I enjoyed uh, talking about the reality. That everyone you like is going to like you back. And that's not necessarily anything bad wrong with it. That's just reality of things. Um, because it's really, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow to realize that somebody is not that into you. Because you think that, you know, I'm amazing. Why shouldn't they be, they be into me? But everyone has different things they're looking for. And you will fit every person's, you know, qualifications. And that's okay. So I definitely had, a, had fun with that episode. <laughs> that was a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm glad you had fun with that one. Now, on the flip side, now, what episode do you listen to and you look back and say, man, I have really come a long way in this podcast? The first episode. <laughs> My introductory episode, it was it was a short one. I think it was like six minutes long. Uh, I had music playing in the back. You couldn't really hear my voice that well. Uh, I was stumbling on words i mean it just my first episode and i kept it that way on purpose just so i could have a reference point to know where i came from and to show listeners that um you can do it that it doesn't have to be a perfect high quality podcast from jump that you can grow into it you know my podcast my first one compared to this one are vastly different, more improved, sound better, better quality, but I had to grow to get to that. And I really wanted to keep that progression in my episodes to show people listening that you can do this. It's not unattainable. It's not reserved for people who are already, you know, celebrities are already famous. No, average Joes can do this too. You know, that's what I definitely episode was my roughest one. I definitely agree with you on that, that so many people feel like that just because you owe celebrities doing this, what many people don't realize, it's the average Joes that really started yeah. this thing, and now celebrities are just now coming aboard and coming coming to do this. So tell me, why do you feel like people need to go ahead and subscribe to your podcast? The way I see it, um, if you're looking to grow as a person and challenge the way you think and challenge your current norm then you should definitely follow and subscribe because that's what my podcast is about. It's about questioning what has been, what you've been complacent with, what you've been settling with. I am on a journey of bettering myself and improving myself. And and part of doing that is questioning my actions, questioning how I interact with people, how I treat people around me. And I detail that in the show as well. And so I'm teaching myself and hopefully inspiring others on how to healthily challenge yourself to be better and not beat yourself up, not hold your mistakes against you. Um, it's just, I think this is a really good show about being better 
and finding better ways to be better. I feel like a lot of us do when we go about it the wrong way. And I think that my show details healthier ways to go about doing it. So that's what I think you would gain most from this show is perspective and a guide or inspiration on how to be kind to yourself, but also push yourself to be better too. So, yeah. Okay, I totally understand that. I totally get that. Um, so what can people look forward to with season two of your podcast? Season two is going to be spicy. I'm excited. I am, of course, going to be um, doing more episodes with myself, but I'll also be having guests on my show. I'll be guest starring on other shows, such as this one. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, because of all of the reviews I've been getting, I've decided to show to YouTube as well. So season two will also be on YouTube. Um, so my podcast is slowly starting to expand. So just look for more episodes on growth, but also getting even more perspectives from different people, but I'll have on the show as well. So I'm really excited for this next, uh, this next season. It'll be here in about three weeks or so. I'm getting ready to move to a house. We're blessed. I'm excited for that. But I need to invest my time in doing the move and um, preparing for season two as well. So I'm excited for season two. It's, it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm excited. Um, congratulations. Another, another congratulations to you on moving into a house because that's big Thank time you. right there. Thank you. And, and also, and also, when you're ready for me to make the return episode and be a guest, be a future guest for you, you just let me know. I will definitely make that happen for Thank you. Thank you. I would love that. I would really enjoy that. <laughs> Okay, um, so tell me some more below about you. What hur- what hurdles did you personally face, and how did you overcome them? So, <clears throat> excuse me, my most was with graduating college. I had really severe postgraduate depression, and it—I mean, I had gained mad weight. I just—I really shut down because life did not wait. <laughs> Once I walked across the stage. Bills were hitting, student loans knocking at my door. I need to find a job. You know, the pressures of reality of the real world hit instantly, and it hit hard. And so, um, unclenched beloved, unclenched beloved. The phrase is very versatile; it has different meanings. So, unclenched beloved can mean you know you're being a tight ass, so loosen up, or it can mean relax, give yourself a you know breathe. It's okay. And that's why I chose the phrase podcast at the show because I realized I was being so hard on myself that I wasn't getting anything done. I was being so critical and, and beating myself up for not being where I should be after graduating college. I wasn't able to function properly. And I had to unclench. I had to soften up and realize you're going at your own pace. You're doing what you can with what you have the knowledge to do at this time. And even though you're not making a six and you're not in a six figure job, <laughs> you just graduated, you know, you just, just loosen up, unclench. And so that this whole experience with trying to find myself after the session is what inspired the podcast, because I realized, you know, I'm not the only person who's graduated and is struggling with getting your footing right after graduation. Detail my experiences to better help some prepare those who are on their way out, you know, not just for college, but maybe life in general, because 
just because I experienced it in college doesn't I mean people who don't go to college don't experience things that knock them down and they have to figure out how to get back up, you know. So that's where um, the inspiration came from was finding, was getting back to myself after that six-month period of a postgraduate depression. Yeah, listen, I totally feel you on that. Um, I suffered from myself after graduating a couple of years because it's like, you said the best how the bills just come out of nowhere and then you just, life after college gets just so mundane mm-hmm. you're just working and paying bills and and i i, I could de- definitely agree with you on that so what was the what would you say was the biggest thing that helped you get out of that post-college depression rut um excuse me well when i finally got a job that definitely helped me get out of the postgrad but a lot of it was just realizing it's unrealistic for me to have the expectation, have it all figured out instantly. It doesn't make sense. That's not realistic. It's not, I can't meet that expectation. I just can't meet that. Who can meet after graduating college to have a six figure job, you know, those pay student loans don't exist anymore. That's just, that is way too high of a standard to put on yourself. When you've gone from being in school your whole life to not being in school anymore. So lifting that expectation off of shoulders really was a turning point for me. And it's funny because I got the job, nice title, I was making good money, and I'm working a nine-to-five in corporate America. My title, I tell people my job, and they seemed impressed about my job, but I was so unhappy because it was so mundane, the nine to five, five days a week, Monday through Friday, it was really starting to get to me. And in November, my job um, quit with no job lined up. I just had to get out. I couldn't take it. My my, my declining rapidly, and I had to put myself first. And so I quit that job, and now I work part time at a local wing stop uh, or not wing stop, a wing restaurant. And it has been another adjustment because, you know, there's that part of you of that, or that prestige of graduating college and finding a nice job and making sure the job, the title and the, and the pay is impressive, you know? Well, this job I have now, most people wouldn't quote unquote deem it quote unquote successful or impressive. And I've had to learn to take right now because I'm happy. And even though I had a nice job, the nice money and everything before, I wasn't happy. So, yeah, my title sounded impressive, but I am miserable. So what's what is it really worth it? You know, Uh, finally realized that my happiness is what takes precedence and that someone else who I don't interact with on on a daily basis being impressed by my job title or how much I make more than my happiness. So that was a huge lesson that I learned and and quitting my job actually is what inspired me to start the podcast because it was such a huge disconnect from my path that I had for myself that I just felt like someone needs to hear this to know that you don't have to follow this plan. You don't have to go this predictable, you know, sequence of events. You can create your own sequence of events. So, yeah, that, that, I was rambling a little bit. Sorry, but I quit my job. 
yeah. No, it's good. It's not. It's not rambling. It's you telling your story. So that's that's. I consider that's real good. So you never feel like you're rambling. It's like, and that's a really good story. And many people need to take from that, which I hope y'all did. Anybody listening to this, that um, that if a job is not doing right by you, then it's okay to walk mm-hmm. up and leave. But I just hope that you have something else lined up before. Yeah, the, of course, the ideal thing would be first and then, you know, quit. But the job I had, we were entering a period, <clears throat> excuse me, we were not able to take off work for about a little over a month straight. We couldn't take off work. And so if I had an interview, I wouldn't be able to take off work for it because I'd be at work. And so it came down to you're either stay here for another month and a half and risk your mental health declining completely or take a risk quit now work your ass off to find a new job and you know just go from there and fortunately i found that my my current job a little bit over a week after quitting so i was fortunate in being able to locate a new job i would not suggest just up and quitting (laughs) because bills still need to be paid It was definitely a risk. It was definitely a risk that I wouldn't necessarily advise all the time, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Take that jump. And I don't regret it at all. I'm glad I did because I was fearful for my mental health and my sanity had I stayed. You know, Um, I realized that they, they don't care about the person. They care about what the person can provide for the company. And you know, you're sacrificing so much of yourself for this job. And if you were to die today, your job will be on Indeed tomorrow. So I had to take into account, am I really being valued capacity with this job? Or is it better for myself right now? It was better for me to do the latter. So I did. No, I totally feel you always got to do what's best for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know by now, you are listening to the Look and Talk podcast. This is the exclusive realm where I go one-on-one with different people, tell me their stories, and I hope y'all are enjoying this. So tell me this, though, uh, on a lighter note, what is your favorite alcohol to drink? <laughs> a drink. Well, you know, I'm not a big drinker, but if I do, man, I like Crown Apple. I do. Ooh, yes, I like crown, crown apple, apple with some cranberry juice. It makes a nice crown apple yes. taste to it. But throw a little bit of Sprite or ginger ale. Let's go. That's my favorite Ooh, little, yes. little mixed drink. Hey, that's good. What's yours? Hey, that's good. I- Mines is the hint. Many people know this about me. Mines is like they're the Hennessy and Lemonade. And plus they know. And also people that have come on Look Talk that I've done in person with they know I've also mixed some mixed some good frozen drinks as well. So usually anything with the dark dog, that's where I'm at right now. Ah, uh, yeah, I've, I've I've been I've seen the light with dark liquors, and so I'm a fan of those now too. Um, so whatever I do mm-hmm. drink, I like to keep it with some dark liquor. So although I'm not a big fan, yes, of I'm glad. Kenny's I, I gotta you know it's <laughs> it's an acquired taste. So. <laughs> Yes, I definitely agree. Hennessy is definitely an acquired taste. It takes a while to run so, to it, um, but go ahead. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so what is something you wish you would have known about podcasting and uh, about your journey before it all started? Um, 
I don't have anything. I really appreciate the journey. And there isn't really much yet so far anyway that I wish I would have mm-hmm. known prior to. I've enjoyed learning as I And the way I see it is I was meant to know it now. If I was supposed to know it beforehand, I would have. So there's that I have that I could say, man, I wish I it was it's all been a process of learning. I mean, even learning how to what which microphone to buy, you know, how to edit, all of those things I had to learn as I as I went along, but I enjoy doing that. So I can't really say that I have anything I wish I would have known before. I've, I've just no, I feel you. I just enjoy the the the, the no. process. I feel you, and you're real for that because not a lot of people I've met they they seem to always have something I wish they could do again. So outside of podcasting, do you do other any other types of media? Because I've also met people that just that the podcast wasn't the only thing that they did. They also writers as well. So. Outside of Twitter, no. <laughs> Um, eventually, of course, as I said earlier, YouTube will be a part of it too, but right now, um, initial way of communication through media was Twitter. I just tweet. I tweet a lot. And, um, back in 2016, viral, uh, often, and that's when people started saying that I should have a YouTube or a podcast was back in 2016. And I'm just thinking, like, y'all tripping. These are just tweets. It ain't that serious. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm making Shade Room. I'm on, like, other social media apps. Like, my tweets are going everywhere. And I'm being given is start, do more, do more. I'm like, you know, y'all, it's just tweets. It ain't that serious. You know, I would, I would say that. Well, I've already mentioned that, but I should have started earlier. I, I didn't realize the mag of my words at the time. Uh, I really just mm-hmm. tweets and that like I just lucked up. You know, this tweet just got lucky and it's doing well. Not realizing how I guess rare it is to consistently tweet things that go viral that meet that reach other outlets that, you know, end up on top profile. That was something that I definitely underestimated and value. I wish I would have realized and given myself more credit that no sis you what you're saying people are agreeing with keep keep talking and expand what you're saying you know don't just keep it at tweets so I guess that is one thing I wish I could change as far as like I guess podcasting I mentioned that earlier though but um outside of Twitter and my podcast that's all I have at the time for now Hey, I do admit you do keep it real on Twitter and you always, always give like a long detail. You always give a good explanation of breaking things down. So I do commend you for that. Thank you. Know you. So, so what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? My biggest failure. That's a good question. I don't really view too many things. Well, I try not to view too many things as failures. Um, because if you learn something from it, I feel like you failed if you didn't learn anything from it. If you messed up and didn't learn anything from it and then did the same thing, then yeah, you failed. But as far as a failure, mm-hmm. I'm really trying to think hard. Let me think. Let me, let me think. <laughs> okay, well, 
while you're thinking about that one, let me hit you with Okay. This. So what is your creative process like when you're trying to determine what you want to talk about, what's next on your podcast? Well, I... So I've, I've, I've been learning how to trust my gut instincts lately. And part of that for me with this podcast is trusting that the next episode topic will be revealed to me. So I post my podcast every Sunday and I pray for guidance for the next episode topic. And every, every week there's a conversation or there's something that I see, or there's a request for that lets me know what the next show should be about. So, um, I'll have the idea in my head. I'll get out some paper, write down some points I want to address. And then the rest is freestyle. I don't really have a script that I follow. I just kind of doodle or jot down some key points I want to talk about. And the rest is off the top of my head. Um, I like to keep as free as possible. I don't like to restrict myself down or writing out what I want to say because then I realize I'm confining myself. I find that just saying how I feel and then editing, going back and editing and taking certain things out or putting things in is way more successful and authentic than a script. So that's what I like to do. Okay. I totally feel you on that. Oh, I have a failure. Um, <laughs> it just popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> What would you say your failure was now that we're going back? Now that. that I think about it, back in 2016, I did try to do a YouTube page, but I went about it the wrong way. I went about it, and then what made me think about it is I had a script then. I would write out every single thing that I wanted to say and try to like memorize it, and it just did not feel right. It didn't feel like it didn't make sense to me. Not to mention I was using like a I didn't have good laptop software to edit so to me I deemed that as a little bit of a failure because not only did it not pan out properly but rather than me looking at it and keep trying to improve it and make little tweaks to it I just stopped doing it all together uh, and, and didn't even really try to look at the lessons in it or try to grow from it I just left it all alone all completely so I would view that as a failure because I let my fear of it not being successful or not looking up to par keep me from pushing through that and keep it going. So I think that might be part of the reason why I kept my first episode a little bit uh, rough because I wanted to show my not only people listening but myself just because it's rough doesn't mean that it's bad or doesn't mean that you still can't be successful, you know. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a little bit of an L. <laughs> Just yeah. dead. Yeah. So what do you feel like you took from that and what you want others to take from that L? Well, you know, social media can be very misleading. You look at these social media influencers who are making bukus off of YouTube and got these high top cameras and, and editing software and we're like wow I can't do that you know I might as well not even try because I'm not like them not realizing they had to start somewhere too everyone we see that's successful everyone we see that's made it had to start off somewhere and we lose sight of that you know just because you may not have the most expensive camera right now 
doesn't mean you can't start. It doesn't mean that a year or two from now you won't have that expensive camera. It just means right now you got to at least try and start somewhere. So I think that was my message or that, that was my, my lesson from that is be proud of at least starting. Um, don't be ashamed that where you're starting isn't on the same level as someone in the business for years now. Because I think, I think a lot of us tend to forget that a lot of these top social media influencers have been doing this for years, like consistently working their butts off for years now. And the product we see now is years of dedication, whereas we're starting off on day one wanting the same outcome. That's not how this works with, with, with ourselves. I think that also taught me how to be more patient. It's just being, giving myself room to unclench and progress, you know? Um, I love my starting point, my podcast. I love that it's not perfect. I love that, you know, the, the music's too loud and it's short and I sound a little nervous. I love all that starting point. And no matter where this ends up, no matter what happens, I can always look back and see where I started. And like you said earlier, being able to start is important. There are a lot of people out here who are stuck in the thinking and brainstorming stage and they haven't just started yet. So, yeah. Yeah, I told you, I totally agree with you. So what are some things you're looking forward to coming up in 2020? I feel like 2020 is going to be a good year for everybody. Everyone has a really good, positive outlook. 2020. And so for me, I really want 2020 just to be a year of bettering myself and celebrating myself. A lot of hard groundwork of uh, the last six months of last year, a lot of deep tissue, figuring out, healing, and, you know, straightening out a lot of the issues I was dealing with. And so I want 2020 just to be a celebratory year where, of course, I'm continuing the journey of healing, but I'm also celebrating where I've come from, where I am in life at this moment, and not being so focused on the next step, just enjoying where I am. So I'm looking to um, this year, I've been applying to grad school. I'm keeping that open as an option. That I'm also looking forward to seeing my social media presence expand. Um, I'm looking forward to see Unclench Beloved expand too, and this YouTube channel expand. I just, I, I'm, I'm expansion and bettering and celebrating. I think that's what the main points of this are. Those things. I definitely feel you on that. I definitely feel you on that on, on all elves because I'm thinking about the same thing for um me as well. So, what is some? So what is one message you do want your fans and all your supporters to know for this year? We got to start talking about these things. There's a lot that we're just not talking about and a lot that we think should remain private that doesn't necessarily have to be private. It's okay to not be okay. And we love to hide that and pretend that we're perfect and we're not. Nobody's perfect. So I feel like the message I would like people to know is we got to start talking and to find people you talk about these things with and talk, get these thoughts out, get these feelings and experiences out because that's where growth and healing comes from. Keeping it all into yourself and letting it just fester. 
doesn't solve anything, doesn't make you feel any better, doesn't get you anywhere. You're just stuck. And I think a lot of us right now are stuck. And I, a, a big unstuck is to just talk things out. Or if you don't want to tell anybody, journal. But the biggest point is to get it out. Because keeping it in like this is killing us. It creates stress. Stress creates body, bodily ailments. And I feel as though we're at a generation, especially with Black people, we're at a generation now where we can breathe the most out of everyone from our, you know, from our past. So why not take this time to heal, to mend generational, you know, patterns, to prioritize mental health and bodily health? Because a lot of our parents, our grandparents, they weren't able to, all they had to do was provide. So they've sacrificed their well-being and their experiences so that we're now at a point where we can do what they couldn't. And I think that it's important for us to start working on those things. And one of those ways is talk about it and realize that we're not the only ones dealing with this. I'm the only ones ones hurting, you know. Um, It makes you feel better. It makes it seem more doable or comfortable when you know you're the only one going through it. So that'd be my message. I definitely... I definitely feel you on that message. It's definitely 2020. I definitely agree with you that we need to come out of our shells and open up, whether it's on social media or whether it's to a therapist or whether it's to people you um can um confide in. I definitely because I definitely agree with you on that holding that in. It, it's not good, you know. And once you release, once you release it, you start to feel better about yourself. Yeah. So I totally, um, I totally. I'm totally with you on that. You know what I'm saying? So um, if you weren't really podcasting right now, what do you think you'd be doing? Probably sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, Probably. I don't really know. I, podcasting has quickly become a part of my life and I'm sure I'll find something, some, something else to fill the time with, but I just see me doing anything else now. I just, it fits so naturally for me. That's another part of my life. So mm. <laughs> I'm going to just stay sleeping because I love me some sleep. So <laughs> that's what I would say. I, I definitely feel you on that. I, I think everybody loves yes. sleep. So, <laughs> so long term, what, what's your vision for your podcast long term? Long term? Long term vision. I definitely see myself. My ultimate goal is to travel speaking to Black people mainly about these topics. Um, my podcast was made with Black people in mind only. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody can... I mean, I'm not saying that it's... I'm just saying that when I created it, I created it with the intention that I'm talking to us. I want us to hear this message primarily. And if someone else listens to it and gains knowledge, that is great and I encourage it. But we have a lot of issues in our community that we have to want things to be different. And so my show highlights those things because I just want for us to be better and do better. The goal will be traveling with the hopes of talking to Black people about these issues and speaking on these issues and not only bringing awareness, but providing tools on how a lot of the things that we go through because everyone says go to therapy 
everyone says heal and work on the problems, but not everyone can afford therapy. Everybody has insurance. Everybody actually knows what healing looks like. And I want to travel explaining these things, giving tips and giving pointers and giving actual takeaways instead of talking at, you know, Um, I feel like we have, you know, Iyamla Van Zandt, we have older people who are in this field of talking and doing these things. We don't really have anybody from our generation, from our age, who understands what we're going through in our experiences and can speak from that viewpoint. So I would like to be that person. So I see myself on TV. I see myself in front of big audiences. Um, this is really just the beginning of a very uh, career for me. But I just really want for us to start talking because we need it. We really need it. So that's my that's where I can see myself is ultimately just doing a whole lot of talking and getting paid to do it. <laughs> hey, hey, that's good. I, I'm I'm in that same boat with you. I feel like we no, but I really don't see a lot of people from our generation that are up there talking and stuff. So I definitely I'm in that same same boat with you. And not to so mention, what do you feel like? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, not to mention, I feel like a lot of especially with mental health, mental health is a very, because it is serious. Mental health is presented in a very serious and professional way. And I think that is a kind of a language barrier or just barrier in general for us because, because it's viewed as so serious and so uptight, a lot of us don't want to identify with it because it seems um, that, that I, I, I ain't that bad. It's, it's viewed as like a very... Uh, I can't find the word for it, but I think a lot of us miss the mark or don't realize that anybody can be and it doesn't mean that there's something necessarily wrong with you, you know, life happens and life gets you down, so I want to convey mental health in a way that I guess quote unquote seems normal and is not stigmatized because it's missing a lot of us. There are a lot of us out here who are depressed or have anxiety and don't know it. And we're pressing it because, you know, it's not as bad as extreme cases. So uh, another, go ahead. No, no, I totally feel you on that mental health. So how do you feel like people can get better with um, their mental health? Like what are some things people need to start doing besides talking and stuff? Well, I am no, by no means am I a therapist. I did go to school for psychology and I'm going to grad school for mental health counseling. However, um, I want to put a disclaimer because I'm not speaking from a professional, you know, this is just my own personal experiences of what's helped me. No, it's okay. Uh, It's okay. (laughs) Look, you got to be careful because, you know, (laughs) but either way, I know what helped me uh, journaling. I tend to overthink a lot and I'll let those thoughts just fester in my head repeatedly throughout the whole day and so journaling and writing my thoughts out really helps me to calm my brain because when you're able to see your thoughts on paper it, it for me it's like right it's, it's getting my thoughts out for one and sometimes when I overthink I think of some crazy shit sense it's just it's really outlandish it's way far out left field and when you read it on paper it's like girl you're really tripping you need to chill out you know you're able to rationalize your thoughts better 
or even when you talk about it, because there have been times where I've vocalized my fears or what's holding me back. And when you say it out loud, it's like, wow, that is not okay, you know? So I would say that journaling and finding people to talk to about how I felt, not, not always a therapist. Sometimes you have really good friends you can vent to and they can hear you and make you feel heard where you can feel better with too. Also, of course, eating healthier definitely helps with improving, you know, mental health. Exercise helps with that too. What, what makes you happy is a very, very important thing that we for the sake of responsibilities. Now, I'm not saying negate responsibilities. However, we have to put our happiness on a higher level of priority than what we do. I think too many of us are quicker to sacrifice our happiness than we should be. Um, and that pays a price. If all you ever do is sacrifice your happiness, when do you chance to breathe, to worry about yourself, you know? Um, so working on prioritizing yourself and making sure you're good before you can help anybody else does wonders. Um, so I would give those tips as far as how to help and improve your mental health. Putting yourself first, being the top um, one. That's real. That's definitely real. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know by now, you are listening to the Look at Talk podcast. I hope and thank you all for subscribing, whether you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts, or Anchor app, wherever you're listening. We highly appreciate it. And I hope y'all are pouring up because it is, after all, it is five o'clock somewhere. And if you haven't done so, and if you don't drink, well, drink some ginger ale. You'll be all right. <laughs> and also, quick disclaimer, we are not responsible for a DUI. So don't be like, I was listening to Look and Talk when I got a DUI. No, <laughs> I didn't tell you to get behind the wheel and drive, ladies and gentlemen, because people will try that. Ladies and gentlemen, nevertheless, this is Look at Talk. We will continue with our guest today, Miss Ebony from the Unclenched Beloved podcast. So speaking of your last episode, you talked about your struggles with the dating life. I got to say, I, I got to commend you on that because you're bold in being open about your struggles with dating. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I decided to be a little vulnerable and open up about my experiences with dating before I know I'm not the only one who's going through these things and I feel like when it comes to being single there's of course it's great it's great not having anybody to answer to not having to worry about nobody else's feelings but my own I do what I want you know that's great but there of course are times where being single sucks (laughs) nice to have a partner yes they are and you know have somebody in your corner you know it would be nice to have that kind of companionship and in social media times localize that want for a partner or companion get like put down or they're called a pick me or you know you're being thirsty it's a healthy want it's it's a difference between obsessing over wanting somebody and being able to admit, you know, it'd be real nice to have somebody right now, you know? It's the difference between those two things, and we shouldn't be afraid to admit that we want companionship. Uh, especially, I think with Black women, we really have a hard time um, admitting or being vulnerable in that sense of, I would like to be taken care of, I would like to be able to relax and let somebody else take over, you know? And so that's why I did the show, because I want normalize it being okay to 
somebody. There's anything wrong with that. You know, you, you can be independent and handling your business and paying your bills and everything and still want someone to be there for you. That's okay. So it was definitely one of my harder episodes to record, but I am glad I did it. I'm glad I got it out there. I think it'll be very helpful for people who listen to it. So, so when you say it was one of your hard episodes, what made it hard? Well, <laughs> you do not want to. I definitely cried in the middle of it. I mean, it just so like I told you, I'm I, I'm am, um, abstaining. I am celibate for the most serious relationship, and so I have been abstaining for twenty months now. And the day that I recorded the episode was the uh, mark of the 20, 20th month. So I have been denying my primal, you know, needs for 20 months now. I've not experienced any kind of intimate touch, not even in a sexual way, but just even just in natural touch, you know, have experienced any of that in 20 months. And so it's been hard and it really hit me hard. And so recording it wasn't easy because anytime, you know, even though I say it's okay to want those things, I still have an inner struggle to feel vulnerable in that sense. And whenever I get frustrated about being single, there's a voice in my head that tells me, you know, man up, get over it. Handle, you don't have time to be crying because you ain't got no man, you don't need a man, you know. And so I'm learning how to silence that voice and let things be a little sucky for a while because sometimes it's just it's going to suck and that's just the reality of it yeah no i understand that um believe it or not us black men we go through the same thing too it's like we be yeah we'll we'll be like and but we're just being told because we're trained uh, just be like hey suck it up get over it you know what i'm saying so i definitely feel like people definitely need to listen to that episode you did because that was a real episode, and you saw some real emotions. You definitely put the people right there with you, put them right there. To, you definitely painted that picture for them. So I do want to commend you on that. And also 20 months of being a celibate, that you were real one for that, because <laughs> I don't know too many people that can last a day without being celibate. It's so. really funny. People, like, whenever I mention that I've done it for so long, people are like, oh, my gosh, how did you do it? Oh, I couldn't imagine. It's like... Once you put your mind to something and you're dead set that you want this thing, because I, I of course, was dating, was casual, and all, I've done that, but been there before, done it. I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. I didn't feel fulfilled. It wasn't satisfying. I wasn't happy. And so when people, you know, are so surprised, and oh, my goodness, how could you do it? I'm thinking I'd rather be doing this than to be unhappy and miserable being active you know i'm risking pregnancy i'm risking stds i'm risking all this stuff and i'm not happy i just sit by myself you know so my um choice in abstaining really wasn't that difficult and it still isn't when i think about what's at stake and what i've been saving myself for because i want substance you know i want somebody i'm compatible with and i get along with and i'm not here for the superficial, shallow, you know, um, quick. I don't, I don't want that. I want something that actually means something to me. And after a, a point of being abstinent, you get to a point where it's just, you're, you're, I mean, 
you of course you have days where you're frustrated and you know you're you're impatient but then you realize I'm and until I see that I'm just not budging it is what it is so so what so what would you think you have learned about yourself from this time oh man (laughs) I have definitely learned a whole lot I definitely feel like I would not have been able to do as much self-exploration as I have had I still been sexually active. Um, Being able to be in solitude to this extent has helped me to assess past relationships. It's helped me to look into and figure out why things ended the way they did with past people. Why did I react the way I reacted? It just really helped me to break down my soul in past experiences and how to not do that is giving me a chance to do some real work even though my first year my first like 12 months or so of my abstaining I didn't do any work I just wasn't having sex and one thing I would advise anybody who's considering to to abstain is if you're going to take that time out to focus on your on yourself do some work because what you don't want to do is let a year go by and you're not that different from where you were when you first started you're still pretty much the same you just didn't want to have sex that's to me to me it was a waste of a year because that could have been a year full of growing challenging myself that but instead i just I thought for whatever reason i guess me being naive that just not having sex was the cure to it <laughs> That it would fix all the problems I had as far as dating and guys and that just not having sex was just the answer. No, there's more to that. It's a choice you make. So you cannot have sex, but are you going to not have sex and do some work or you're not going to have sex and just sit there, you know? So Ooh. it really, um, once I decided to, because I mean, because I realized even because the first year I was abstaining, I was still talking to guys and, you know, flirting here and there, but the same outcome kept happening. I, I kept self-sabotaging, I kept overthinking, I kept doing the same things. I was having sex. And so it made me realize that I had some more work to do. So that's when I started actually sitting down and saying, okay, so why are you really single? Like, what's, what's, what's going on here? It's not because all these dudes out here are trash. It's not because these guys know what they want. You're a common denominator here. So let's make sure that you got yourself together so that you can't say you have full confidence in saying it's them and not you. And the more I uncovered, the more I realized, no, sis, a lot of this is you. <laughs> a lot of this, this issue is what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're doing too much of, you know. So making myself face myself as hard as it was it was definitely necessary, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I still been. So, I think it's been a very fruitful time frame for me. I have enjoyed this time frame. However, I do think that I'm reaching a point where if I don't get out of it, I will end up three to five years from now still in it, comfortable. I'm getting comfortable in it. Um, it's becoming too much of a norm, and I got to get out of it <laughs> because. Otherwise, I'll create a whole new life centered around not doing it at all. It'll make it harder to break. So 
that is one thing about Sandy. Once you get into the groove of it, it gets a little difficult to get out. Because it's comfortable and it's safe, you yeah. know. Without, I don't have to worry about yeah. catching feelings too quick. I ain't got to worry about me sleeping with you. And the next day you wake up and you realize you don't feel me like that. You know, I don't have to worry about none of that right now. Safe security blanket. But it can also hinder you from even trying to date because you'll psych yourself out of trying out of that fear of what could happen when you do have sex, you know? So it's a slippery slope. You got to be a little careful not to get too comfortable with it. <laughs> it's definitely slippery. Yeah. Now, I definitely feel you on that. Um, I definitely um, feel you on that. And I like to commend you for it. And at least you're uh, I mean, open and honest about it. You know what I'm saying? I definitely commend you on that. You know what I'm saying? Because not a lot of people are, are willing to go through that, what you're going through right now. That that's big and that's major. Now I want to run, run something back from episode sixty nine of Liquor Talk. Um, I just want to get your thing, thing opinion uh-huh. on this. Do you feel like there's a power struggle within black relationships? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that. So go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so what do you think the biggest thing, what element of this power struggle is? It's unfortunate, honestly. It's, I think both parties, um, so I, I'm, I'll take sexual relationships. So that's why I'll talk from the, the basis of, that's what I've experienced. So I know for me, um, I have had mistrust with black men in my life due to the black men that I grew up around, them not being very reliable and trustworthy. Um, couldn't really depend on them that well, so you had to fend for yourself type thing. That's what I grew up around. And so when it came to dating, I tended to date that kind of guy because maintaining control and maintaining power or having the upper hand is safe because that means that I, I, I maintain my own security. I don't have to rely on you. You're not reliable so it, it reinforces me having to rely on myself even more, you know. It prevented me from being vulnerable. It prevented me from trusting somebody else completely. Um, but it was safe because that's what I was comfortable with. And I realized there are a lot of black women who are like me, who that's what we grew up around. We were fortunately were not around enough black men who were trustworthy, who were strong, who we could rely on. And that same scenario with who we date. And so when we finally encounter a man who is trustworthy, who does work hard, who does prove himself to be somebody you're willing to be vulnerable with and, and you know, relinquish from that power too, we're scared because it's like, okay, is this, is it a facade or what's going on? I'm not about to relinquish this control, this power I have to you and you mess it up. I'm not doing that. And so now we're butting heads because I'm too afraid to give you that chance. Meanwhile, you're proving yourself repeatedly. I'm just scared. Now, no, I told. I think yeah. that there are a lot of. It's just it's it's just unfortunate because I definitely agree that there are a lot of good black men out there. There are a lot of quality, good, hardworking, loving, nurturing black men out there. But there are also a lot of black men out there who are hurt, who are jaded who were called, it's, it's just, it's a numbers game. And when you experience more bad than good, and then you get a 
it's like, okay, are you really good? Is this a facade? Are you playing? You know, it's, it's, it's just, you become scared. And it's a definite power struggle. It's just, but I think both sides play a role um, as far as why that power struggle exists. And I think Black men don't realize just how scary it is for us to be vulnerable because a lot of us come from a lineage of Black women having to provide and be strong, you know, hold down the fort and you know, we, 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 that, that's in our DNA, that's part of who we are and our ancestry. And you're wanting me to go against part of who I am because you want me to, you know? <laughs> so I wish Black men would have more empathy with why we have a hard time being vulnerable. Because for decades, centuries even, Black women could be vulnerable. We couldn't be vulnerable like that. We could be, I mean, of course, we've been black, there, of course there are black women who weren't able to be vulnerable and didn't care about stuff and stuff like that. But there are a lot of us who come from families in history that we weren't able to. And it's, it's a huge adjustment for us. So both sides, I think, can, can stand to listen to one another and take heed with our experiences and work to creating safer environments to and trust. So that's my viewpoint on it. I definitely agree. I, d- I definitely agree with you on the, all the viewpoints and stuff. That may be something a conversation we wanted to pick up another time, like maybe on the on on your one of yeah. your episodes. We're definitely gonna pick that up. You know what I'm saying? But I do thank you for coming on Look at Talk. Um, for definitely coming on and um just opening up, telling your story. I know how hard it is to open up and to tell somebody some of us that's in a complete different state that's not even where you're at to open up. So I do want to thank you for that. And I hope that we can definitely collab again. And if ever you want to come back on Look at Talk, you know you're more than welcome to. You just got to let me know. You know thank you saying? so much for having me. I really enjoyed this being my first guest appearance. I'm, I'm really excited and I appreciate you for reaching out to me and offering. This was this has been great. So we'll definitely be doing We'll be seeing more of this collaboration in the future, most definitely. Yes, I like to I hope to be on yours and I hope to be on mine. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Liquor Talk. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Thank you all for subscribing. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Leave me your feedback at liquortalkpodcastgmail.com or go ahead and follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Once again, I thank my guest Ebony for holding it down up in the ATL. And um, I said, I really am, I really am appreciative of you. And you were very open and I'm really grateful for you, and I thank you for that. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been Liquor Talk, and we will see you next time.